Well, let's welcome you back to This Week in the Association. I'm Rob Panier, joined once again by my good buddy, Kevin Luco. And this week, Kevin and I are honored to welcome back to the show a, a favorite of ours, King County Cougars infielder Josh Allen. Josh, thanks for joining Kevin and I again this week. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. So, Josh, let's just first of all start excited to see you'll be returning for 2024. I know a couple of years ago you had retired, so excited to see you coming back for another season here. Yes, sir. Absolutely. I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I I was kind of uh, on the fence after uh, the season ended last year, but I had a a couple guys uh, pull me off to the side and make a promise that I'd come back if they come back. So uh, I'm honoring it. So I'm I'm excited for the season and uh, ready ready to get going. So the deal lured you back. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. That's the yeah. I I. Uh, the the one big one was Gally, Gally Cribs Jr. and uh, you know he's my he's my shortstop buddy. We're the middle infield crew. So uh, after the last game, I told him I thought that was it was probably it. And he said, "Well, I'm coming back next year, so that means you have to." And I said, "Well, if you come back, I'll come back." So we're <laughs> we're doing it. So well, right on. You know, before last season, you had talked to Kevin and I about kind of changing your overall body in a sense to prepare for the season. So you were doing a lot of yoga. I remember you telling us last year, how did you mm-hmm. feel that worked for you? And are are we going to see some other kind of changes like that for you this year? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I did, you know, I did struggle, you know, a lot with injuries last season. And I, I think a lot of it was taking the year off whenever I was retired. And then whenever I decided to come back and play before last season, I didn't have a full off season to really prepare. So, I mean, I had probably, I don't know what it was, about a month or a month and a half or something like that of not doing anything for over a year. So, um, I mean, I definitely think the yoga and all that helped. I just I feel like I didn't do it really long enough, you know, going into a season to really fully prepare myself. So, um, you know, right now I'm doing yoga and I'm also back in the gym. I, I started – way earlier this off season than I normally do with like my workout programs and stuff. So I'm really hoping that, uh, that that'll, that'll really work, um, a lot this season. I feel like I'm in really good shape right now. And, you know, we got a few months left to go in the off season and looking to get stronger and better. But, uh, I think I'll definitely be in a lot better shape this year than I have been in years past for sure. I've worked, I've worked hard this off season. A very impressive season for you defensively. I just want to tell you, I mean, it, it was, I, I kind of felt like as I was watching you play that that yoga was really helping you to reach balls more. It looked like you felt more comfortable even. I mean, you've been a great infielder for quite a while, but you felt like you were really, I mean, you just looked like you were in a zone out there playing this year. Could you feel that defensively for yourself? Yeah, I, I definitely could. You know, I mean, it's one of those things, you know, with age, you know, you're not as, flexible as you used to be or that first couple you know that initial get off of changing directions and uh I definitely think the yoga definitely helped a lot of just being able to just kind of move my body in you know certain ways and I mean everybody knows I mean playing playing the middle infield you never know which way you got to go or where your body's going to be or weight transitions or anything like that so you kind of find yourself in 
in weird spots a lot of times. So having that stability and that flexibility from yoga, I think definitely helps your movements for sure. And I definitely felt a difference uh, this past year doing it. And, you know, I worked a lot with Galley Cribs too. Galley is a phenomenal defensive shortstop. And, you know, he kind of worked with me a little bit in spring training of, of footwork on certain plays and angles a little bit and everything like that, which I definitely think helped me this season as well. Now, I believe heading into last year, you were talking to us a little bit about you thought you might be playing a lot of third base. Um, that didn't work out that way for, for a part of the season there. But <laughs> where, where, where do you do you just see yourself fitting more into that second base position, or are are you open to or George, you know, kind of giving you ideas that maybe you might be playing other positions this season? Um, he, I mean, he had kind of mentioned to me before before last season that. Uh, I may be playing a little bit of third or, you know, just kind of going back and forth of shifting some spots. And, you know, in that particular time, I was just so excited to get back and play. I said, George, I don't care. Just put, you know, put, put me somewhere. I don't care. And, uh, I took ground balls. I I don't know if he just didn't like the way I took them. I don't know. I took ground balls about one or two days in spring training at third. And then I never saw third. I never saw third base again. So, uh, I don't know if uh, maybe he just saw me take balls at third and said, nope, not going to cut it, go back to second. But, um, but I mean, I'm happy to stay at second. I mean, I've, I've played second, I mean, my, my entire professional career. Um, so, I mean, it's definitely where I feel the most comfortable for sure because that's the only position I've pretty much ever played. Now let's talk a little bit about last season with me here, Josh. Uh, the team, I, I think a lot of people around the league, I know I'm particular thought that this was a team that wasn't going to hit a lot and it, and it really struggled offensively for most of the year. How did you guys feel in the locker room, uh, you know, kind of going out there trying to get those extra base hits? Jimmy Kerrigan struggled a little bit for you guys to start out the year. What, what was that like in the locker room for you guys? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we, I mean, we had a great group of guys and uh, it was just kind of, you know, on a day-to-day basis, just kind of figuring out, you know, what was, I don't know, what was kind of up, you know, it's just, I felt like, you know, I mean, which it's baseball and I mean, thing, you know, things happen, but it was just like, I mean, we could never get our lineup all rolling at the same time, you know, I mean, it felt like one guy, you know, one or two guys were hot and then, you know, seven of us were cold. And then, you know, those guys would warm up, the next guys would cool down. It, it, it was a very down year for us um, offensively. And, I mean, it certainly wasn't from, you know, lack of work or anything. I mean, those guys, I mean, we all worked our butts off, and it just never uh, really came to fruition. But, I mean, it definitely I, – I mean, I, I can't lie and say that it wasn't something that we all thought about in the locker room. You know, I mean, our pitching staff put up, great numbers um this year and so i mean it definitely weighs on you whenever you kind of feel like you know there's some games that we should have won but we didn't do our job offensively and um so i mean we're really looking to to turn that around this this coming season you know george and i have already been on the phone and talked a bunch about it and everything of just you know things that we could do or you know certain things and i mean the ballpark i mean it's a big ballpark but um, there's a lot of hits out there in that big outfield as well. So we just got to, you know, take the turn this year and uh, start putting up some runs. 
it seemed like too that there the lineup was just never completely healthy. You know, you'd get a couple guys back and then somebody else would get injured. It did just feel like you never really had your full team out there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and we had we had a ton of guys battling injuries all year. I mean, things that you know nobody really even knew about. I mean, Armand, you know, Upshaw. I mean, he's 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 probably the most gifted athlete on our team by far, and you know he was never a hundred percent pretty much the whole year. I mean, I don't think the coaches even knew that. I don't know, but he was pretty much duct taping himself together all season, and uh, you know losing Cornelius Randolph for you know the amount of time that we did during the season. I mean, he's one of our he was one of our. Uh, prolific offensive threats and he I think it was his quad he pulled his quad uh really bad and just everything or and then he after he came back from his quad then he hurt his calf and so coming back from that you know back and forth and yeah we kind of had to switch up the lineup a lot and everything and losing some big bats and uh guys not really being 100 percent fully definitely took its toll on us for sure Yeah, you know, I'm curious, Josh, because a lot of times we talk about, you know, the offense understands that they're they're struggling a little bit, so they start to put more pressure on themselves to to come up with bigger hits, kind of thing. But I wonder when your pitching staff is so good, do you feel like to yourselves, man, if we just get three runs tonight, we we have a real good shot of winning this game because our staff is just that good. Oh, absolutely. And, and I mean, but I mean, it also at the same time, it almost kind of puts more pressure on you because you know that they're going to go out there and do good. And, you know, it's almost that, you know, paralysis by analysis where in our minds, it's like, okay, we just got to score two or we just, you know, we just, you know, how hard is it to score two runs? And then it's just, it's almost like whenever you start pressing that way, luck just never comes on your side. The baseball gods just have something else to say about it. And, you know, with everybody pressing, kind of you're trying to maybe get the extra bag or, you know, trying to stretch a single and do a double or steal or something, and something happens and, you know, it doesn't go your way. But, I mean, having the pitching staff definitely definitely helped us relax more in the terms of we knew that we weren't going to have to score nine or ten on you know most games, but it also made it a little bit more pressure intense just because we knew that there was going to be no mistaking that if we you know lose two to nothing or lose two to one, whose fault it is you know and and being that we've had those we had those troubles for the most part it was in everybody's mind. And so everybody was just pressing even more. You know, I, I, according to your standards that you've had over the, your time in the American Association, I know you'd probably look at, at this season as a little bit of a down year for you personally. But, but one thing I just was very impressed about was, with the exception of a small stretch, like right at the end of June and into early July, you just, it always seemed that you just, consistently hit at some point you know it was like you know you didn't have like a a four for five night and then went over 10 over the next couple games it was like you always had one for four one for three with a walk kind of thing and 
I just thought this was one of the most consistent seasons I'd seen out of you. Did, did you feel like that consistency this year? Um, well, you know, I mean, I mean, I definitely felt as a whole, it was from an offensive standpoint, it was definitely a, a down year for me. Um, but I mean, yeah, I didn't get on any super, super cold streaks or cold streaks, but I never really got to the point where I felt like really locked in. Um, so, I mean, I mean, looking at from the outside, looking in for myself, like, yes, I, I feel like I had a, a very down year last year, um, from what I expect from myself. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much got, I mean, I want to say the way the numbers hits and everything came, I mean, I pretty much got a hit a game almost or, or, you know, somewhere around there. And, uh, so, I mean, yes, I mean, it was consistent, but I mean, I definitely feel like it wasn't up to the, the standard that I hold myself at. So that's why I've been working so hard this off season. Now I'm gathering that becomes your inspiration, so to speak, is to, to put last year for you personally going, Hey, this is not my, uh, my best year. I want to really do something to show what Josh Allen normally looks like every year. So, so do you do anything different? Do you approach the season differently in any way? Um, yes, actually. And I, I mean, I, one of the big things that I kind of struggle with at times is, you know, I mean, everybody wants to perform, you know, everybody wants to do good all the time, but in baseball, that's just not the case. And, but you still go out there and strive to be successful every time. And so with that comes a lot of, you know, pressure that you put on yourself. And uh, I'm a competitor and I love, I love the game. I love competing and I, I want to win and I want to perform well. And so, but Baseball is a game that it will beat you to your knees if if you don't take time to step back and enjoy the ride. And uh, it's very easy to get in that rut of, you know, I want to go two for three and the team win every game. But, you know, coming into this year, for one, I want to leave nothing – to chance. So I'm going to be in the best shape that I can possibly be. I'm going to be the best prepared I possibly can be. But from a mental standpoint, I feel is where I'm going to make the biggest jump of the fact of, you know, my youth in terms of the athletic world are behind me. And being the fact that I've already retired once, like I know what it's like to walk away from the game. And so, you know, looking back from my younger days, it, you feel like you're going to be invincible and live forever. And, you know, with this last year and then coming into this year, I know that this game, you know, is coming to an end for me, you know, as a player, you know, however many years that may be, where I just want to step back and enjoy it and enjoy the ride, not put so much pressure on myself, not want to go three for four so bad it keeps me up at night. And, uh, so just from a mental standpoint of just enjoying the time with my teammates, having fun out there, and just kind of going back to being a kid and playing, you know, playing like a kid with a smile on my face and let the chips fall where they may. For the fans out there, take us through 
what a night would be for you as far as your forward bats and then afterwards, is it a situation, you know, every team's obviously got TV now where do you go back and break down your at-bats and you you see, okay, what did I do here? What, what did I do that was good? What didn't work yeah. for me? Is there... Is there that, or do you just generally have an idea without seeing video what you need to work on? Um, I, I mean, for me personally, I like seeing visuals. You know, I mean, some I mean, some guys are different. Some guys don't want to see it because they don't want to overthink or whatever. I mean, I'm a, I'm a visual learner, so I do like to see it. And but with me, I have to be careful how many times because I I have to have somebody around me, like one of my teammates. And because I will overanalyze it or or I'm, there's just one thing that I'm looking for that I felt bad at during the game or something. So normally after the game, I'll go back home. And uh, last year I lived with, you know, a couple guys. I lived with Jimmy Kerrigan and Galley Cribs and a few other guys. And so we'll normally sit down and eat and kind of decompress and watch some TV for a minute. And then all of a sudden the – the the conversations come from the game that night and we'll start talking about things that, you know, could have went better or things that went good and, you know, reliving certain plays and then we'll start watching videos. And normally it's the other guys that are watching that will see something. I mean, my best, I mean, one of my best guys that kept reminding me last year was Harrison Smith. And because, he was constantly watching me. He's in the cage with me every day. He's watching me here there in the games. And he would actually see differences in my stance or my swing before I would and watching the videos. And so it helps having those guys around and everything, but we'll all sit there and watch each other's swings or, you know, something because we get to know each other's stances and each other's swings and we could pick up differences because – you know, being in your emotions if you're mad that you went 0 for 4 or super happy that you went 4 for 4 can kind of change the way that you look at the videos. Yeah, I'm That's sure you guys probably probably listen in to see what, what if anything, Joel Brand or Connor Klingon said, right? Oh, absolutely. I, especially especially when you hit home runs or do something really cool. You know, I mean, you want to know what they say about you. You you don't really, after an 0 for 4 or 4 strikeouts, you really don't listen to what they say because, uh, you know, I don't want to rub salt in an open wound. But <laughs> Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about th- this portion of the season for you. So, a little bit of a slump for you at the end of June, heading into early July. Then you went on the injured list, then come back for a couple of games, and then you guys travel down to Kansas City. And in the final game of that series, you have that huge two-for-five performance, homer twice in that game, and then you seem to catch fire from that point. Did you that, Was that like, this is Josh Allen? I mean, what, what, what turned different for you? Was it that game that kind of inspired you, or were you just kind of feeling it, and that just kind of helped to catapult you at that point? Yeah, I mean that that game definitely helped turn things around for sure. I mean, I had been I had been struggling, and so you know you're kind of in your head, um, you know, overthinking and and all of that. You're you're trying to kind of change little things in your swing, um, but that game at Kansas City, it was a day game, and I personally like playing under under the lights. Um, 
So day games are not really my my passion. <laughs> I'll just say that. And so it was kind of one of those mentally challenging games of of getting prepared mentally to play the game. And I just, you know, I just decided I'm, you know, I'm going to go out there and I'm just going to take my mind out of it and I'm just going to try to be as loose as possible and just try to be explosive. And my first at bat of that game, I hit a opposite field home run and I felt a whip in my lower half and like my backside and my swing that I had been looking for 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 weeks. And I, I came back in the dugout and I said, that was it. And so it was actually by trying to not do anything. And so, you know, feeling that after that, that first home run during that day game in Kansas City definitely kind of clicked something in my mind that made my body kind of move the way that I wanted it to. And I just tried to kind of stay with that same feeling. And uh, it, it worked out for me. So I was, I was happy for that for sure. You bring up something interesting there, and you know, and I don't think sometimes a casual fan even makes them anything of it. But you know, you guys are such creatures of routine. But you know, for pretty much every Sunday, and maybe that one straight game during the week, that you guys have to break out of that routine and play a day game. What? Um, how do you battle that? It 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 definitely you know and. And I don't think a lot of people realize the differences, you know, in that. And I mean, I mean, one of the first things we do when we see our schedules is look to see how many day games we have. <laughs> and uh, I mean, nobody that I, no teammate that I've met likes day games. And, and I, I mean, it's a day game is nice after the game's over because you have, you know, you can actually go out and get a good dinner somewhere, or, you know, something like that. But like you said, we're we are major creatures of habit, and so you're used to you know with life on the road and playing the games at night and everything. I mean, we're not getting back till late at night, so you know you're normally going to bed pretty late, and so therefore you're not waking up at you know six o'clock in the morning, and so you know your body kind of gets acclimated to that, and then you switch it up all of a sudden and play that day game. One of the big things for me is pregame preparation is what changes dramatically. Cause most of the time in day games, you're not taking BP in the field. It's in the cage and there's kind of designated times because, you know, as the home team, you're not there way before the visiting team, like in a day game or like in a night game. So you don't get as much time in the cage and you're not hitting on the field. All the pregame preparation of getting your body prepared is a little bit more um, individualized because you, you're not having the team stretches or, you know, you're not getting out in the field and taking ground balls and moving around, um, which for me, I mean, I consider myself an old guy on the team. So I got to get, I got to get my body rolling. I'm like an old, diesel engine you know it takes a little bit to get going so uh night games are definitely more satisfactory to that but but day games i mean it is what it is it's one of the reasons why we have the the term show and go is for day games you just show up and 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 go with what you got so there's no changing it on 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 day games 
One of my first experiences with George Samus was in 2004 in Fargo. And the Saints had a Sunday afternoon game against Fargo. And lo and behold, 11 o'clock in the morning, the Saints are out taking batting practice. And <laughs> someone asked Samus about it. He goes, oh, you know, it's just like any other game. I mean, you got to go and get ready. <laughs> but I, it's, it's nice to know he kind of let up on that as the years went on. He did. He did. And, I, I, I mean, he – I don't know if he sleeps. I really don't. And – uh because I mean, they'll be, they'll, be, you know, we'll get into a hotel like, you know, super early in the morning or something like that. Everybody goes and sleeps, you know, all day, and I'll get to the point where I can't sleep or something, and I'll go down to the lobby to to get coffee, and he's just sit, he's just sitting in there on his on his computer drinking coffee, and he'll just look at you and just go, "What's up, man?" And 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 that's it. And I, I don't know if he ever sleeps. <laughs> you know, talking about habits and routines about things, Josh, we, we've had a few seasons now of the six-game series in Cleburne, or they're coming to you. And I, I, I always thought that would be a huge advantage for them. It doesn't look like that's worked out that way for them. But how do you view the sixteen series? Is it becoming a little bit more routine for you, or is it still never something you get used to? Um, I mean, it, it definitely was a little bit of an adjustment. I mean, I think that the the six game series um, definitely favors the side of the hitters for sure, um, because you're seeing you're seeing guys multiple times, especially coming from like a bullpen standpoint. Um, it really gives the offense time to see all of their pitchers. And, you know, you're seeing bullpen guys over and over again in a six-game series. So whenever that game five, game six comes up, I mean, there's a very likely chance the first bullpen guy that they bring in, you've seen two or three times already that week. Um so I mean, it, it's different of the six game, you know, the six game series of getting used to. But being an offensive player, it definitely favors us. So I'm not going to complain about it at all. But uh, it just gives you a better chance to, um, or more opportunities to see the the arms that they have on on their team, which which favors the hitters. So I mean, I'm I'm a fan of it. <laughs> No, I know you want to come back and have another spectacular season. I know you've been very loyal to George and, and wanting to be one of his guys each year. Um, but I'm gathering you're coming back to Kane County because you expect bigger things in terms of record-wise. So so what, what's going to happen with the Kane County Cougars this season? What has you excited about this team right now? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about the uh... – some of the guys that I've spoke to about the the group that's coming back. I mean, we we had a very close team um, towards the end, and and I mean the guys that we brought in towards the end were all great guys. Uh, George always does a great job of of not only looking at the talent of the player, but the character of who they are. Um, he really cares a lot about the chemistry of the clubhouse, which is very important in my opinion. Um, so I know that he'll do a great job of, of staying with that and bringing in those guys. Um, I know he's very 
offensively driven uh, this year. So I know that he's going to be looking for a lot of a lot of guys that can swing it um, coming into this year. So I know that there's a lot of emphasis from from him um, about that. But the group of guys that we have or that I know so far right now um, that are coming back are all great guys, great teammates, great players. But I think all of it, like all of the position players as of now that are coming back, we all, you know, we all kind of have that chip on our shoulder from not performing at the level that we could have last year. Um, and I, that definitely kind of rings in our minds uh, throughout this off season. I mean, I've been talking to a few of them, and you know, I mean, normally, normally we kind of give ourselves a little bit of a break, just kind of wind down and everything before we start training and working up in the next year. And I mean, we pretty much came home and jumped right into it. I took maybe two two weeks off, three weeks off, and then got right back at it. And I know a lot of the other guys are are doing the same. Um, so I think just coming in with that focus of knowing our shortcomings from last year and the group of guys that are the returners, not letting that happen again and kind of refusing for that, um, I think will be great for this year. And I definitely expect big things from us. And, I mean, Kane County is a phenomenal place to play with the way that they treat you off the field. Um, the front office is great. They treat you awesome. Uh, the fans that we get, you know, I mean, I know we get we we get the best crowds in the league, um, which is something big as players. You know, I mean, we love playing in front of people. Um, so I definitely feel um, a lot of excitement about this year, and I definitely kind of am ready to get going and ready to bring a championship to this team because I know that they go above and beyond for us. And so I just want to return the favor. And I know all the other guys do about uh, giving them their first American association championship. Do you feel a little spoiled on that front? Because you played all those years in St. Paul and, you know, state of our facility and an organization that, does a great job of treating the fans, players, and everybody well. And then you hop right from that to Kane County, which is a top draw in the league. I, I, I definitely feel fortunate for that. That's for sure. Um, that was one of the, you know, I mean, coming, I mean, St. Paul was a, was an unbelievable place. Um, I would, you know, I mean, I, I think anybody would want to play forever, you know, after playing in St. Paul. Um, but Kane County is great. And, uh, you know, I, de- I definitely feel spoiled that I've gotten to enjoy both of them for sure. But I mean, I, I mean, I could be biased, but I mean, you know, Kane County, I think is the is the crown jewel of the American Association whenever it comes to places to play. And um, you know, I mean, getting the big crowds, and I know that the front office works very hard to to pull off a game day there. And um, you know, we can't be more appreciative to them, and we just. We just want to give them good baseball this year, and we want to give them championship-level baseball. You know, you've watched a lot of guys in your time in the American Association, Josh, who have gotten back to affiliate ball. You've seen some guys go, I'm sure, but you were like, how is this guy not getting to affiliate ball? I'm curious, as you watched them last year, 
were there times you were shaking your head going, why is Daniel B still with us? <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's one of, that's also one of the stressful things is, is, you know, I mean, him, Tyler Beardsley and, you know, I mean, CJ Eldred, but I mean, Tyler Beardsley every single day, whenever he would pitch, like we'd hear, oh, there's a scout here, there's a scout here, and we're like, dang it, now, now he's not going to be here tomorrow, and and so, but but yes, I mean, Daniel Bees, Tyler Beardsley, C.J. Eldred, all them, which I mean, I'm not complaining because it helps us, but that's also one of the stressful things is when guys do too good. You know, I, mean, I went up to Beardsley a few times this year and was like, hey man, I'm like let's let's cool it down a little bit, so. uh you know, I can see you tomorrow and you won't be on a plane somewhere else. <laughs> but it's a good thing to have. I mean, you know, whenever you whenever you're close with each other and you love each other and you care about them, you know, I mean at the you know, at the forefront of everybody's mind, yes, everybody wants to get picked up for their career and get back into affiliated baseball and everything. So, I mean, I'd be super happy for for any of my teammates to get signed, but selfishly, you know, you start to develop a friendship and a brotherhood with them you hate to see him go at the same time. So it's a, it's kind of a double-edged sword. I have to ask you, Josh, because being around you, I think we're at like nine seasons, eight seasons, something like that, that, that I've known you now. Um, always a guy with a smile on your face, great attitude toward the game, a very knowledgeable person, easy to get along with. I, I would gather you see yourself managing one day. Um, yeah, that, that, that is something that's crossed my mind for sure. You know, I mean, it's whenever you get to kind of the, the tail end of your career, you know, now you're, now you're hit with, you know, the thoughts of what do I do after, you know, and the, the thought process of you're not going to play this game forever is definitely there in my mind. Um, I've dedicated my entire life to this game. I've done this every year pretty much since I was four years old. So I've gotten to learn I've gotten to learn a lot from some extremely talented and gifted players and some very talented and gifted coaches as well. Um a lot of my knowledge just comes from listening and watching those guys perform and do their jobs. So I definitely I definitely feel like I have a a lot of knowledge from the game because that's all I've ever done and I've gotten to share time with so many great players and coaches that I definitely feel like I could, I could make, make a great impact on a lot of people. And, you know, I mean, whenever you look to see what, uh, what in this world is worth having, it's what, you know, you can do for other people. And I definitely, you know, whenever it comes to kind of thinking, where can I make the best impact on other people? I definitely think it would be, in the game from a coaching aspect. So that's definitely something that I see myself doing in the future. Do you see even in King County where Karch Kowalczyk comes right in last year, becomes pitching coach, even though he did do a a cameo at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. Do you see that where like you're seeing Karch already getting into the coaching ranks and you're thinking, Hey, we know when my time comes, I think I can do that too. Yeah. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I mean, it was it was actually kind of weird having having Karch as uh, one of my coaches this year. <laughs> but um, but yeah, definitely. I mean, seeing him and I mean, I actually one of the things that I did this year with with Karch on the staff is I kind of watched 
how he interacted and handled coaching players that are around his same age or a little bit old, you know, he's a little bit older than them or something. Cause that's always been something that I've thought about is, is, is it kind of be a little weird or awkward, um, being so close in age to them. And I'm, I'm one of the coaches. And so I, I definitely learned a lot from Karch just kind of seeing how he handled that and, uh, how he interacted with guys and how, if there was a coaching moment, how he was, how he kind of approached them with a, with a coaching moment. And, uh, so being able to watch him kind of do that and do his job, um, I definitely was watching, taking notes. I think he did, he did a phenomenal job last year and the, the pitching numbers, you know, from our team last year, I think speak for himself of the job that he did with those guys. Did he threaten to set the trade anybody somewhere far away like Ole Sheldon used to? <laughs> um, if he did, it wasn't around any of them where they could hear. <laughs> so I, 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 did, I didn't hear anything. So, but Ole, yeah, Ole was, uh, Ole was a character. I think I forget, I forget where they said he, where he said he was going to trade everybody. I think it was like I, Amarillo would seem to be a popular spot. <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah, I think that was one. Yep. Oh, that's funny. Well, besides prepping for the baseball season, uh, you were telling us before the show that you you you've got a side job thing going on right now. So tell tell us what's going on with Josh Allen during the off season. Yeah, so uh, I I live in Florida and you know most people don't don't realize that Florida isn't just beaches and uh, and resorts. There's I live in the center of the state and where it's nothing but cow pastures and strawberry fields and all of that and so my family we have a we have a cattle business and um so whenever I come home I don't get to sit on the beaches and um drink strawberry margaritas or anything like that I got to come home and I'm working cows and building fence and doing all the fun stuff and um but yeah that's what I do during the off season I come home and um we we actually have a, a barn wedding venue as well out here. So I work those events and um, we have a meat business here as well. So I'm checking cows and feeding cows and fixing fence and doing all the fun stuff. And so that's why I always have a smile on my face whenever it's baseball season because I get to <laughs> escape uh, escape stringing barbed wire fences all day. <laughs> That may be one of the big reasons why I keep coming back. I get tired of working so hard here. <laughs> Toughening up those hands. That's, That's right. That's right. Yes, sir. So, so does that mean that potentially Kevin and I can one day in the mail expect a really high-quality steak coming our way? Oh, absolutely. That's, oh, and, well, right on. Right. And and I will I I will say this. So – and this isn't just my my biased opinion, but we actually we just got started into the meat business um, last year, and so whenever I came home, um, we had some steaks from our first from our first year of because we normally I mean, we we've always had cows, but we've just pretty much bought and sold. We've never done a meat business before, which we just started. 
So whenever I came home from season, we had some steaks um, from one of our cattle, and I cooked it, and I kid you not, I laid in bed and dreamed about it <laughs> that night. It was so good. And I mean, I, I'm tell I tell all my teammates about it. Like, you got to get a cow. You got to get a cow. You got to get a cow. So, uh, so yes, y'all will definitely have to try it for yourselves. And it's it's better than any restaurant steak. I'll guarantee it. All right. You know, my wife, my wife and her mom will go in and buy like um, go and buy either a cow or half a cow and like, get everything cut up. And yes, I throw that stuff on the grill. And yeah, you're right. You know. You, you're not going to find better meat anywhere. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And I mean, it's, you know, they're, it's grass fed beef. Um, I mean, we, I mean, I, I mean, I, I feed them every day. And, um, so, you know, I mean, I'm taking them hay and, uh, they're out in our fields and I mean, I see them every day. So, I mean, just kind of having, having that as I know exactly where they came from. I know exactly what they've been eating like all of that is is a pretty uh is a pretty gratifying feeling you know towards the end where um you had a hand in this entire process so i i i enjoy it well josh before heading you to the final thought uh, we're recording this here on the 2nd of january so yesterday was was new year's day is josh allen a new year's resolution guy no, I am not. No, sir. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I, I, I've never really have been, um, cause I don't want to kid myself. You know, I mean, I mean, I, you know, oh, this year I'm going to do this and that. Oh, how many people do that and they never act upon it or anything? You know, with me, I just want. I just want to be a better person. I mean, from an athletic standpoint, I want to do better than I did the year before. And from a, you know, human aspect, I just want to be a better person. And I want to make an impact in people's lives every year. And so that's kind of, you know, if I had a New Year's resolution, that's what it would be. But, you know, I mean, things change from a day-to-day basis with the places you are or people that you encounter or something like that. So, I mean, like, you know, your your goals and aspirations for the year could completely change in an instant. So, I mean, I'm I'm one of those people of I just take today as it is and, you know, I'll worry about tomorrow when it's tomorrow. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, Josh, you're a vet now. You've been on the show a couple times now with us. So, I know you have a great final thought for us for this week. Yeah. So, final thought. If I had a final thought, it would be Happy New Year, first of all. And uh, I know this year is going to be great. And I think that George Samus is going to put together a great team. And you're going to see the Kane County Cougars in the playoffs and hopefully hunting down that Miles Wolf trophy which I haven't held in my hand since 2019, but would love to get it in my hands again. <laughs> Fantastic. Josh Allen, thanks for joining Kevin and I this week. Yeah, thanks yes, for doing sir. this. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Thank you all so much. It's been a pleasure. Well, Kevin, man, we love having Josh on. I'm glad to see he's going to be back with us for 2024. Do we know, is he climbing up the charts as far as players, player appearances? I mean... Nobody's going to touch um, Dan Vaughn or Sean Aronson, but as far as players, I, is he among the top? 
Yeah, this is. I think this was his fourth appearance with us. Might Third be or fourth. Yeah. Yeah, it's got. Yeah, so we got to start tracking that down. I'm trying to think who the all-time player would be for us. Javor uh, is probably probably it. I'm, I'm thinking that's uh, that's pretty. He might be the uh, the Hall of Fame, the Mount Rushmore of uh, players on our on our uh, list of doing the show. So, you know, I know we've that. had we've had Aaron Takis on twice. We've had Greg Minier on twice, so I know those two for sure. And we had Nate Sampson on a couple of times. We've had Kevin McGovern on, I think, three times with us. Uh, I'm pretty sure about that. So. Um, cause we really started diving into players about three years ago, having them on the show. So, um, I think the first few years was just us and then some broadcasters occasionally, but, but we're, we're, we're branching out, Kevin, we're, we're, we're going to do, we're going to keep branching out here and, and adding more players on here. So the, that, that list is going to grow bigger and bigger. Well, it's good to see Josh is coming back at 32 years old. You know, a guy who obviously wouldn't be coming back here if he didn't think he couldn't put up big seasons for the club out there. And uh, it, offensively, they're going to need some help if Kane County is really going to step up in this division. And I think, you know, we alluded to it on the show that if they got everybody healthy at the same time, I think that's a pretty good lineup they had. I mean, we didn't talk much about um, Hector Sanchez, what he brought when he was healthy, what Todd Lott brought when he came in. It was a good lineup once everybody was healthy. Yeah, Jonah Davis played very well for them, um, had 18 homers to lead the club. And Armand Upshaw, he talked about battling through some injuries. That, that guy could be really big for them. Ernie Ordonez um, brought something too. So. Yep. Yeah, I, I, you always tell me, don't sleep on George Samus. So, uh, you know, the, the King County, if they could get, you know, the team finished last in hitting, last in run scored. They hit some home runs. They were right in the middle of the pack. But if you think if they added 30 runs, which isn't very many, you know, I mean, you're talking about, you know, a, 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 a less than half a run per game. I think if they added 30 runs to that offense last year, this team would have probably had nine more victories. Um, and that would have been the division winner and would have been in better position. So, you know, this, this team definitely has the potential to go a long way if they can keep that pitching staff intact and, and, and get a little more offensive production. So should be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I think that will be a key because you looked at that rotation. There never really seemed to be a solid fifth guy until Kowalczyk came out of retirement and filled it. But Beardsley, Jack Fox, Weston Muir, C.J. Eldred, I mean, that was, once Eldred got cooking in July, I mean, that was about as solid as a four-man rotation that you're going to find in the entire league. Absolutely. Uh, The league did have a a number of players that were officially signed today and, and posted on the American Association website. And this could be like the worst combination of names ever because I know there's there's six names on this list. I know I'm going to get four of them wrong. I'm just openly saying from the very start here. So, <laughs> you know, we're going to ride with me anyway here. But in Milwaukee, they signed infielder Chase Estep, and I could be wrong with that too, and right-handed pitcher Sebastian Rodriguez, 
I, I, we always like Anthony Barone that he's going out there and getting these guys early on. And it, it, when, whenever those early guys come on, I'm thinking, okay, how long will it be before an affiliate club takes them? So uh, Sebastian Rodriguez is the one I'll be watching for this year. Uh, Lincoln Kevin signs infielder Garrett Mattis. I hope that's right, too. Lake, Lake Country re-signs outfielder Mar- uh, Marek Chloop, I think was the way that was said last year, and Devi Grillion, I think that could be, and Cleburne signs right-handed pitcher Casey Kalich. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if I got every one of those names wrong. You know, people that come out with these signings, if you have a story – Throw us a bone. Put a pronunciation in it. You know, in parentheses, say pronounced, and then throw us a bone. Let us try to sound halfway like you know what we're talking about. That's not a request. That's a plea <laughs> from us. That, well, would, that would be we're, so we're, nice. We're past, we're past plea and I'm closing in on beg. <laughs> I like it out there. I, I like these signings too. You know, um, uh, Chloop, and I hope, like, I know I'm saying that wrong, was very good for Lake Country last season. Uh, and, and that offense played very well. So I know Ken Huckabee's going to have quite the group this year. And Kalich was pitching very well last year for Cleburne too. So um, I, I think that Cleburne, I'm, I'm, man, I'm, I'm excited to see what that team is going to be like with Pete and Camille running the club. I, I just, you know, they're going to be competitive, they're going to be fiery. Um, they're going to battle every every pitch is literally going to be a war in Cleburne, and I, I I love that. I think that's going to be exciting action, Kevin. You know, we thought the Cleburne-Kane County rivalry was pretty hot last year. Boy, you throw throw a fiery rancher like Incavili in the mix, and boy, there's going to it could be so lead to some real interesting games between those clubs next season. Absolutely. Let us. Uh, talk around some of the other partner leagues out there. We'll begin in the Frontier League, where Michael Larson was named as the John Dittrich Minor League Executive of the Year, uh, coming out of the Schomburg Boomers, as where he was Vice President and General Manager. So congratulations to Michael. Um, I don't exactly know how that's chosen, to be honest with you, but uh, that's a pretty prestigious award. John Dittrich is a guy that you've talked about, Kevin, on here, about his impact on minor league and, and independent slash partner league baseball. So if you're getting an award like that, I'm I'm assuming it's pretty prestigious. Um, you know, Michael, I believe, was formerly of the Fargo-Moorhead Redhawks. So I think it's pretty neat that, you know, Fargo was one of the teams that John Dittrich helped get going. So I think it's kind of neat that somebody that was also an alumni of the Redhawks gets the first at. I guess you can't say first annual because that's like a double Andre or entry or whatever. But the inaugural John Dittrich Minor League Executive of the Year Award. And you're right. He was with them from 08 to 2017. So Kevin with the accurate information once again. Uh, We also want to say a sad note uh, announced last night out there in the Frontier League that um, Sussex County Miners broadcaster Brett Luthner, I believe is the way this is said, passed away. Uh, no real update on exactly what that was, which doesn't really matter in the, in the big scheme of things. Just uh, no sad for the organization. And uh, 
we our prayers and thoughts go out to not only his family but those involved with Sussex County and the league in general. Um, I'm sure Brett was a guy that was well respected and liked, and always sad news, Kevin, to hear uh, a person in the broadcasting ranks that we normally are so closely tied to pass away. Yeah, I remember on the Christmas episode, Brad Alder, Brad Allred was talking about how tight the fraternity is among uh, broadcasters, and you know for someone to lose a member of that particular family that's um that's a real tough blow especially during the you know the holiday season well there's no good transition out of that but i just want to give a little bit of uh atlantic no not not a good one at all uh atlantic league news uh mark minicosi named as the staten island ferry hawks manager this year um former uh, San Francisco Giants prospect, played 12 years in independent and minor league systems, uh, so he'll be coming in there. And uh, Charleston named their coaching staff for 2024, including uh, manager P.J. Phillips um, will be returning with the club as he signed some additional coaches for this year, including former Frontier League Coach of the Year, Rob Carson, will take over the pitching coach duties. So um, looking for Charleston to do something this year in the limited time that we cover Atlantic League Baseball. So um, I think that you know, is uh, – go ahead. You know, that's been a, like a, co- a managerial carousel in Staten Island. I believe that's going to be like their third manager in three years, if I'm correct. You are correct. You are correct. Um, looking to they, – they had a, a decent run last year. I mean, the, the, the first year they got off to an absolutely abysmal start. and managed to turn things around quite successfully in the second half of last year. Um, to, I believe they finished, uh, let's see what we got here, Staten Island, 27 and 34 in the second half. Maybe it was in the first half that we good. No, I guess they didn't play for that good a year. Okay, I'm, I'm staying corrected. 22 and 41 in, in the first half and uh, 27 and, uh, what was that, 27 and 40-something, 34 in the second half. So, um, two first, two, you lose both halves of the season and finish in last, and both those you got to figure your number is is coming up there. So not surprising to see the team make some changes out there. So um, we'll see what that has to hold. Well, we'll find out what goes on. I think that takes us to uh, all around a partner league baseball. But before we give our our shout out, um, I asked Josh. So so Kevin, I, I got to know, does Kevin Luco have some resolutions for this year? Um, I think my resolutions are going to be, and this could be bad for as far as what we do, is to become a lot more financially responsible. So you might not see me on the road as much this year, or if I am, I may be sleeping in the car or finding a cheaper way to, to, um, finance my trips because last year was kind of a rough one so um i'm always up to if everyone's got a driveway that i can leave my car on and sleep at night you know but you know the hotels they it can add up because you know and i hope you guys realize this you know what rob and i do it, it it's on our own dime we don't have sponsors paying us for this Right, we're doing it um, directly out of our own wallets, and you know it does it does take a toll. 
Yeah, I, I'm with you on the financial responsibility this year. That that is a big goal for me as well. And uh, and you know the other part about hotels, uh, Kevin, that I'm finding not only is the cost going up, but at the hotels that aren't seeing a, a fairly significant increase in the rates, the quality of the hotel is really going down. Um, so um, you know I I don't want to stay for fifty something dollars a night at a hotel where there's bugs and other things going on there. So uh, I, I'm and I it's spending eighty dollars a night at a hotel is getting to be a little out of my price range nowadays. So we're gonna have to we have to be responsible this year, Kevin. You know that's true because there's some hotel chains that I stayed with that you know in the past you always associated them with being quality places to stay in. Frankly, we're not, I'm not going to throw any hotel chain under the bus because we can always use sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I, I, I did find that a little upsetting this year that it was like some places that I equated as being quality places to stay weren't really that great anymore. So it was a little bit upsetting. Very disappointing to say the least. I'm 100% with you. Well, that takes us to the first shout-outs of the year, Kevin. So uh, who are we shouting out to? I think I'm going to build upon what we were talking about with the the guests, and that's um, giving a shout-out to the players that take time out of their nights, whether it be during the season, whether it be during the off-season, to come on this little podcast hosted by – a guy in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and some guy from Southern Minnesota. You know, we're not fancy. We don't have, um, we're not on YouTube. We don't have a big video set up. It's it's old school. We're talking on the phone, but, you know, it's great for these guys to take time out and come on with us and talk baseball, whether it be during or during the, during the season or during the off season. Uh, my shout out this week, Kevin, because I have a good good hockey story out of this for you that I think you'll appreciate, um, is to my grandson. So, uh, for those out there who, who I've I've never really talked about this out there, but my grandson has this voice that can carry. A, I mean, you can hear him almost anywhere. Okay, <laughs> I don't I don't care how loud it is. He, he's got this voice that you could clearly hear, and. Um, so he's playing 10U hockey, and uh, he was like like a, 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 an opponent would have the puck, and he'll skate by them, but won't like attack at the puck. So they have the stick time down here that I could go with him and practice with him. And I was like, look, you know, if your sisters took your Lego, you'd be all over them. Okay, I said, I, I need you to be like that. I need you to be like somebody took your toy, and you're going to get it. Okay. So a couple of weeks ago, he's at a tournament in Mason City, and he is screaming. <laughs> and I'm not kidding you. I mean, screaming at opposing players. And after the game is over, some of the parents on on his team say, "What? We we can hear your your son, your grandson everywhere. What is he yelling though?" <laughs> and we go, "He's screaming, give me my Lego,' <laughs> at the opposing team. Okay." <laughs> 
to get the puck away from him. It was so hilarious to hear this 10-year-old boy yelling at an opposing team, probably terrifying everybody on there to give him his Lego. So uh, that's my story, my shout-out for this week, Kevin, for you. How about that? You might be raising a shorzy. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Kevin and I want to once again thank Josh Allen for joining us this week. For Kevin Luco, I am Rob Padir. We'll see you next time on This Week in the Association.